What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Laquan Hilton. We have an incredible conversation, including how to be a man your children admire and how to be a man that makes amends. Enjoy meeting my new friend, Laquan. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Of course, I'm smiling ear to ear because I love talking about fatherhood, one of the most important things. And I'm really pumped to meet my new friend, Laquan Hilton. Laquan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, man, our good friend Rod Powell had said that you were a great dad and that you should be on the show. So, uh, I believe you said you guys live in a sim- like pretty close to each other. But quick question is, when I asked Rod, hey, who's a great dad that I should have on the show? Why do you think your name came to his mind? Well, Rod is just, he's an amazing guy. And I think that um, what I found is a, a lot of people that are really good, they travel together. Um, mm-hmm. I think you attract the same type of people. So uh, I met Rod through a mentor of mine who's also a great dad. And mm. he told me, said, hey, you got to meet this guy, Rod. And I was like, OK. So that was like last year. And since then, mm. I mean, we probably talked almost every day. Guy's great. He's amazing. And, you know, we just share the same value system. You know, I'm not going to hang out or be friends with people that don't have the same value system that I have. And mm. so that's probably why he recommended me. I'm thankful for that opportunity. Man, beautiful. Because I was going to ask, you know, I think there are a lot of dads out there who roll somewhat solo, who feel a bit alone. And I was going to ask you, like, you run with the same tribe or like-minded people, but there's two things that you said that stuck out to me that were just came off the tip of your tongue. One was a mentor of mine introduced us. So clearly you're seeking some some uh, leadership in your own life, right? And then second was core values lined up. So that means it's some some point in time you made a decision about what those values are. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as men are listening to that, those are two key things. Like one, listening to the podcast, that's killer, but are, you know, maybe you're on a run or in your car or falling asleep or whatever, but to go and start doing the work and to reach out, hit me up on an email or hit up a guy you see that's a great dad or husband or financially fit or health fit, whatever, and say, Hey, I got some questions. Can we hang out, grab a beer, a cup of coffee, whatever it is that you do. Um, and see where it goes. And I think, you know, a lot of times that's how it all starts is just making that ask. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a couple questions just to get out the gate. So who am I talking to? Laquan, how old do you find yourself today? How old do I find myself? Um, age wise or I'm 39. 39. I'm 39. And I live in, Chesterfield County, right outside of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, grew up in a single parent household. Mm. My my father 
uh, wasn't in the same household that I was in, but he paid, he played a, a big part in my life. Um, learned a lot from him, got to see good, bad, and ugly. Um, you know, in, in terms of growing up, my dad was, um, he was an interesting guy. I mean, he was, he was a great guy. Um, I got to see him get saved and join the church and get on the mm-hmm. usher board and do a lot of good things, um, later in his life. Um, you know, but he was he was a rolling stone early in his life. But he he I really got to see that transformation. I actually got to live with him while he was going through that transformation. And so that was interesting. And my mom is a just wonderful, um, just like my dad. Uh, she's been there for me my whole life. Uh, we we own a real estate and construction firm and she works in our in our in our firm. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for her every day. Um you know, she she's super important to me. Um, the words thank you and I love you just cannot mean as much as I would want them to mean to her. They're, those are just simple words, but she's really been a big complex part of the making of who I am and um, thankful for her. Hmm, beautiful. Well, I'd love to get more into that and learn more about your story and learn more. Um, I'm just going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions and and just to, to set a little bit of a setting here. Uh, so you're 39. How many years have you been married? So we got married in 2016. So, but that's like almost six years. Yep. Almost six years. And then kids. So we have two, we have two, two little girls. I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. Nice. Back to back, huh? Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. So married six years, waited a little bit to get married, two little girls right now. And then what do you do for a living to provide for the family? And I, I kind of bring this up every once in a while. Why do I ask this question? On one level, I hate this question because a lot of times men size each other up based on what they do. But the reason why I bring this question up and I and I mention it you know, every few episodes is that it's a reminder that Fatherhood is a level playing field. If you make 60,000 a year or, you know, $10 million a year, in between that is a whole bunch of different careers and jobs and business owners and this, that, and the other. But when you come home with that first baby, when your kid gets their first, their, their, their first boyfriend, girlfriend, when your kid gets their license, all these things, it doesn't matter where you fall in that ranking, if you will, fatherhood's a level playing field. So when it comes to what you do for a living, what, what is that for the family? So we, we do affordable housing and all mm. office space. So we do um, we do third party property management and construction. And we we have a bunch of properties that we own and uh, rent out for uh, both residential units to live in and also commercial office space. OK. OK. And I think you said as a family business, right? Yeah. So. So like about 10, well, back in 2010, my mom, I was kind of talking to her about some issues that I saw in my research. I got to have a PhD from um, Virginia Commonwealth University in public policy administration. So I was doing some research on housing and I saw some some issues pop up in affordable housing. So I was venting to my mom one day and she said, hey, you know, why don't we buy some houses and, you know, you're pretty handy. We can fix them up and rent them out. And mm. that kind of grew. Um, my wife joined and she bought some uh, also. And so that was really good. And then in 2015, we started Hilton and Company, which is a property management, real estate firm, also a construction firm. So we help people 
buy, <clears throat> rehab and rent properties um, in the Richmond, North, uh, Hampton Roads and Northern Virginia areas. Love it. Love it. So I want to ask you this question, Laquan. Becoming a father, you know, and this is relatively new, the last four years for you, what's something you learned about yourself, right? So I just want to paint this picture, right? You're a teenager, you're in your 20s, college, you're, you know, maybe living on your own, living with friends. And then some point in your 30s, you got married and then you you had a couple kids, right? So there's all this time where you're learning about what it means to be a man, a human being, a friend, this, that, and the other. And then boom, kids come. What's something you've learned about yourself, whether it be when your kid was born, one, two, three, or now four years old? So I always knew that I wasn't perfect and that I made mm. mistakes. Yeah. <clears throat> and so as a dad, what I've realized is like, that's life, you know, mm. and happens, happens. And what you have to do is be man or woman, you know, about it and apologize and make amends and then make change in your life. And that's really what fatherhood has taught me is to really have that belief that I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do everything I can not to offend anybody or to do the right thing. I'm always going to do the right thing. Right. But at the end of the day, if I make a mistake, I'm going to go back. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. How can I make that person whole, make it right Mm. and then move on from life with the growth that I've learned from that thing that I did? And so that's what fatherhood has really taught me is just really just just continue to do your best, you know, every day, get up and do your best. Yeah. And I love that. And, and you know, it's to, to say, hey, wake up every day and do your best. But there's three steps that you just said, which we could probably wrap about this whole conversation, write a book about and spend our life working on. And, and they're really key what you said. One is I realize life is messy. OK, I'm just going to accept life is messy and you use the word not perfect. But then you you said it in a couple terms, but the ones that I really picked up on is because it's messy, there are times that you need to make amends. And I think that words for fathers is like, as the role of the father, you get to mend things in your home, right? And we all talk, men are fixers, but to mend whatever the messy, if I cause the mess, go mend that. You also said make it whole. And I love that idea. Like we have a huge responsibility to make it whole. But then you said the third step, which is make change, right? So don't be that dude who's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I yelled at you because I had a tough day at work. And then the next day, Hey, you know, it's like over and over and over it's then make change. And I think that simple three-step process is huge. And fatherhood definitely does <laughs> give you the opportunity to do those three steps on the regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what's been big about it for me too, <clears throat> my my father-in-law um passed away. Mm. It was a year ago in December. And it was another guy that's younger than I than, than I am. And he said, Hey, we want to live our lives so we can have a day like this where people celebrate us. Mm. Right. And they really, they really miss us and celebrate us. And that's kind of the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life where not only on my final, you know, at my, my final service, right? I want people to appreciate me as I'm going through life. And what that means is <clears throat> I got to be the guy that people want to be around. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to I got to make positive change in people's lives. I don't want to be there just to correct people and push people down. I want to mm-hmm. be there to uplift them. And so for a younger person to say that, that was impactful. Um, and my father, my father-in-law and I, we, we didn't, we didn't have a, a, 
a good relationship throughout the entire time that I knew him. Um, mm. It was a it was a very troubled relationship. So, um, you know, he told me one day, he said, hey, you know, I don't know what kind of father you'll be because, um, you know, you didn't grow up with a father in your household. Mm. Wow. And that hurt me. Yeah, that, that really hurt me. I mean, we didn't we didn't talk for a while. And was did you not talk for a while after that because of the statement he made? Yeah, yeah. I we didn't talk for a while. You know, it was it was mm. it was a big rift in our um, you know, my wife and I is before we got married, it was a big rift in our families, um, because of the comment. So I guess like we didn't talk for about probably about four years or so. And then he called one day and was like, Hey, look, you know, let's meet halfway between um Richmond and, and Chesapeake is where he where he lived. So mm-hmm. hey, let's meet in Williamsburg, and we uh, sat down. We talked. Yeah, I, I I understood where he came from. You know, I'm a I'm a real um, probably sensitive guy when it comes to comments like that because fatherhood is something that I really wanted to to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, so in and I guess it was like kind of almost a redemption. You know, and and when I bring that up to you, uh, the comments that we talked about making amends. You know, he said, "Hey, I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that," and mm-hmm. we we kind of went on with our lives. Like we, we became, you know, close after that, you know, we could, we, we definitely talked and had good conversation and, and, and that sort of thing. But I think that sometimes a lot of men don't want to apologize. So we'll do things and we'll just be like, Hey, I did it, you know? And I don't, I think that's the wrong attitude. Like if you mm-hmm. do something that's wrong, you offend somebody, you need to, you need to one apologize and try to make their relationship better. Right. And then you should make change. You should change yourself. If that's something that, that you, you really, you really feel bad about, you need to figure out how to make it, how to make it better. And then also how to prevent it from happening in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So just a couple of thoughts, you know, um, I think that we have this, uh, mentality in our world right now, like don't offend anybody. The reality is, is life is messy. We will offend people, but you made a comment. If I do something, and I just want to separate the two, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we are given an opportunity where we lovingly may need to to stand up for what we believe in, and it might offend somebody. But something you said is, if I'm feeling bad about the way that my interaction with a human being is, I mean, we know if we were a douchebag, we know right. that. Right. And if we were, then we need to make amends. Um, and so I just want to kind of clarify those two. Now, going back to your father-in-law, this is such a key. Okay. So like I'm 38, you're 39. I'd say a majority of guys, you know, are, are between, you know, 28 and 50, probably listening to this. And I think that there are some insecurities we all have in like, am I a man and a father, a good husband, like these things. And I really want to point this out. You and I have this opportunity to invite men into their role as fathers. Now, first off, your father-in-law didn't do the best job right out the gate, right? He was like, being negative about your background that you had zero control over and basically saying because of that, you wouldn't be a good dad. And it was hurtful. And especially from a guy you kind of look up to as a role model, whether you admit it or right. not, right? I did. If he said I, did. I looked up to him. Yeah. If he said something positive and mm-hmm. said, dude, I'm here for you, right? If you got, I'm here, but you have what it takes. So my point, and I'll stop is you and I, if we could tell every new dad, bro, welcome to the club. You have what it takes, man. No matter your story, you get to go make your own story now. Uh, big opportunity there. So um, any other thoughts on that before I ask my next question? Now, I just I just really want people, what, what I want them to grasp from what we just talked about is, hey, you know, 
yeah, life is messy, you know, and if you make a, a little bit of mess, hey, go clean it up, you know, mm-hmm. apologize, make amends, no matter how old the kid is. Um, yeah, I was I was in, you know, probably my early 30s and my dad, you know, was, you know, we still would have hard conversations. Be like, hey, dad, hey, hey, son, you know, I, I didn't think that all the way through. Hey, you know, apologize for it. Here, Here's my thoughts on that now. And I'm like, all right, cool. I, I, I really respected that. So people people are people. And we all know that we can't walk a, a straight line all the time. We're going to have some things pop up. But um, just go back and make amends and try to live peacefully, you know? Mm-hmm. What taught you to make amends? What taught you to see that you you caused a mess or or caused some hurt and that you're going to go back and, and make amends? It's di- Making amends and making the situation whole is far different than saying sorry. I think your terminology and belief around it's pretty powerful. And I think if we could capture that, it would help each of us. Yeah. So I think it was really rooted in, in my mom and my dad, right? My dad and my mom, they were not together. Um, what was mm-hmm. interesting was they, they did a great job co-parenting, right? They did a really good job. So even the dads that are listening to this that are not, maybe not with their, the mother or their child, mm-hmm. like you can still do a great job co-parenting, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah. so that's one thing I learned from from my mom and my dad. And, and neither one of them were bitter about, you know, what happened in a relationship. I don't even know what happened even to this day, 39 years old. I don't know what happened. Mm. They're just not together. They didn't talk. They didn't trash talk each other. They loved each other. Um, I can remember calling my uh, my mom when my dad passed away and told her and she was stunned. You know, um, she had a lot of love and respect for him. Not that she wanted to be with him, but she didn't want to see anything bad happen to him. And so that was that was one element. The other element is my dad had um, I had 10 siblings. Right. And so. (laughs) So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool, though, because, they're all they're they're most of them are older than me. And two of my brothers, uh, uh, Doug and Derek, their their mom, Miss Draper, taught me kindergarten. Oh, um, really? Twice. I went to go. I had to go to kindergarten twice. But uh, but yeah, she taught me kindergarten and I used to go to her house all the time, hang out. It was it was beautiful. So pretty um, tight. So even though it's like you've got 10 siblings. So break it down for me. So who got remarried? Your dad got remarried. My dad got remarried. I'm the only child by my mom. My dad, my dad had um, he had three girls by one lady. He had two boys by another lady. And then he had a few other boys, including myself, by just you know other other ladies. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, it's, it's a huge range. I got, I'm 39, but I got siblings that are in their sixties now. So that was a different dynamic too, growing up because they were, they were like, Hey, look, uh, we're not your, we're not your dad. You know, we're your, we're your brothers, you know, we're your sisters. So you could actually talk to them. And I have a, a phenomenal relationship with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, love everybody deeply. And so that, but I come from a small town, right? I want to, I want to just say that too. I come from a really small town, Martinsville, Virginia, and it's a very loving place. Mm. Um, so people really take care of you in a rural area. You know, they make sure you got food. They make sure you got you doing your homework. They don't care whose kids you are. They just want to help you out. Mm. So that's where I came from. It was a very loving place. So when I moved to Richmond, you know, and just kind of going through life, I realized that not everything was like it was in Martinsville, hmm. you know, it's in nothing, no sites against, you know, Chesterfield or, or Richmond, but people from the country, we take care of each other. That's what we do. Yeah. 
Um, so, and that, that was kind of the, that was what I really got from, from that whole relationship that I saw between my sisters and brothers and my, my parents and everything. It was just a very loving place. And that's the kind of place, you know, with that type of love that I want to create for, for my kids where, you know, my nieces and nephews and, you know, my community, you know, Rod, he talked about Rod earlier, you know, his kids are phenomenal. I can't wait to build an even deeper relationship with them, you know, hopefully coach them along in their lives. But that's, that's the kind of place I came from. So that's who, that's what made me. Mm. So, you know, thinking about the, all that your dad had kind of the, the story he had built, right. And then you said you were there for, for some life transformation for him. Um, and then you have, you know, the, some brothers who were shoot 20 something years old when you're born. And then you've got this stepfather who, who was not so hot and then be, you know, made amends when you kind of see all these different aspects that you have in front of you in just a sentence or two, what would you describe the role of the father as? So, I mean, a, a father, and, and you're, you're limiting me to a sentence, which is hard. I think the role of a father is to to provide, to protect, to guide, is to really just be there. And mm-hmm. um, now, is that a belief that you always had, or is that a belief that you had to change and make for yourself and say, say, this is what I wanted, or this is what I saw from other areas. So this is who I'm going to be. I mean, did you have to change any beliefs around that? Uh, I kind of, I kind of always felt like a father is some, someone who protects you, provides for you, who guides you, watches out for you. And so it it really was like a natural set of values that I, I had, mm-hmm. even though I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I really didn't have that, you know, person you in like my you missed household. Out? Yeah. Did you feel like you missed out as a kid by, by having that? I mean, I'm not saying that today, but were there times growing up where you felt like you didn't have that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I really wanted to be in the house with my dad. You know, that was, that was something I wanted to to do. Um, as a kid, I kind of wanted to be able to just go to him and crawl in his bed and talk or, mm-hmm. you know, just and were you able to do that? And talk. Um, some, I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting because they were trying to co-parent. So it, it really wasn't like that every day, but mm. my dad, my dad was there. He was only a phone call away and you know, I could call him anytime and he would be right over. Um, did you feel like he, was, he a great guy. was there? Was he there yeah, he when was, you needed him? Yeah, he was there. I mean, and, and, you know, I guess like the interesting part about it is my religious values come in to play when I think about kind of the way I was brought up. So Mm -hmm. I think everything happened in in a divine order. So when when that happens, uh, when, you know, a a dad or something happens in life or whatever, I just believe it's God's divine plan. And what doesn't hurt me is going to make me stronger and is probably what has kept me in my house, you know, and with my wife for, you know, we've been together since 2006 uh, dating and, you know, we have a four-year-old and a three-year-old, but it's probably something that's going to keep me here is that feeling of now I want to wake up and go and hang out with my dad, you know, in the house. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I don't want it to be a planned event or, you know, I don't want to have to call and, say, Hey, come and get me, you know, what are you doing? I I want my, my kids to, 
you know, let's go out and throw snowballs, you know, let's go, so you let's go hang out every day for your kids. Yeah. Every day. You didn't every necessarily, day. you didn't necessarily have that. And so now you, something that you believe to be true about a role of a father, you're going to provide to your own kids and then hope to pass that down to future generations. Right. Yeah. Provide time, you know, provide financial resources to them. I want to, I want to do it all. You know, mm. I want to do it all for them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, so this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, and you're already doing it, right? I mean, we're we're opening up. We're talking to family. We're talking – your field notes are open. You're sharing your life vulnerably, which is beautiful, and I appreciate it. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea is like as men, we have something in us. We want to fight. We want to rebel. We want to go to war, go to battle. So, But we don't want to just be destructive for destructive sake. So what is something that you are rebelling against in the world? And then what is it that you're hoping to create out of that battle? So for me, what I'm, re- what I'm rebelling against is the, the theory, the idea, the value set of some people that say you can't be great in both business, at work, uh, you know, outside of the house. You, you, can't be, you can't be the man, right, outside the house. Mm-hmm. And the man in the house, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, and and I believe that I believe that we can win on multiple playing fields, right? Mm-hmm. As dads, so that idea, and that's what I'm rebelling against—the idea that you can't be good everywhere you are, but you take you wherever you are. So if you if you, if you can be good in business and you can strategize and figure out how to make a business successful, right? Then you can strategize on how to make your your life better as a father and a husband. And so I'm I'm rebelling against those naysayers, those people mm-hmm. that say you gotta you live in a in a in a or world, and I'm gonna be an and guy. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. a great dad, a great business person. I'm gonna be active in my community, you know, and I'm gonna do all the other stuff. I'm gonna be a great husband. I'm gonna do all this great stuff, and that's so, that's what I'm rebelling against. I love it. I love it. So you're creating really a holistic life and the things that you want. You're just like, I got this one life, so I'm going to live it well. So what are some tools, tricks, traits that you utilize to help you do that and not get burnt out trying to get it all and pack it all in the calendar? Um, what are some things that you do to help you be the man in the home and out in business and community? So I think that, you know, one of the things I, I do is just having a set schedule and being systematic mm-hmm. about what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And not having idle time. I feel like when I drop my kids off at daycare, I have that set of time to go be successful in business and handle everything I can. And if it runs over, you know, my wife will kind of pick them up or, you know, we'll, we'll work it out, right? But when I get home, I'm going to run just as hard being mm-hmm. a dad and I'm going to take off the work hat and I'm, I'm going to try not to answer my phone. I'm going to try not to look at emails. I'm going to be very intentional about the time that I'm spending with the kids and really just maximizing that time. Even on the weekends, even if you're like, I might ride and look at a house or go check on a project. You know, the kids are in the car with me, use it as a nap time for them. When they wake up, I, you know, we run in, take a look at it, do what we need to do. And then we go to the park. You know, mm-hmm. I took them to a new park the other day. It was so fun. Uh, we did this. I went and checked on a, a property and had to do some things. And um, it was a park. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take them to this park. They've never been over there. They have a big hill over there. Oh, man, we're going to have fun. When they got some Chick-fil-A on the way there while they mm. were asleep, when they woke up, we're at the park. They're so excited, right? 
And so it's really trying to find those times where you can really work both in your professional area and then quickly turn it off. Just like in my story, you know, turn it off and go, go be dad, you know? And so, so do you, how do you do that? How do you turn it off and go be dad? It's like, if I'm grinding hard at work and I got projects and I got plans and I got dreams and I got goals and it's three o'clock and I said, I'm getting off at three and you know, entrepreneur, business owner, you're not, you're not getting it all done. So a, how do you say, nope, I'm leaving most days. And then is there anything you do in that transition to then not be thinking about work or checking your phone the rest of the day? You know, I, I kind of need the downtime and I really enjoy being a dad. So I, I mm. love watching Frozen, you know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, my wife was laughing at me the other day because I was watching a, um I was watching Trolls. The kids were not even in the room. Isn't they had so left. And I'm sitting there oh like, oh, man. <laughs> so, you know, it's really like rediscovering my childhood is really mm. giving me a mental break from what I'm doing at work. I and what it, But that. what it does is while I'm getting that mental break from work, I'm actually sharpening my sword. So then I can come back and I can be better at what I'm doing as a, as a business owner. And so that's been that's been really great. So and the other thing, the other thing that's really helped me out. Um, and I, I would be totally remiss if I didn't say this. Right. So my wife is a pharmacist. She she went she worked for a pharmacy uh, pharmacy for 10 years. When we had our last kid, she said, hey, I don't want to go back to pharmacy. I feel like God's God's telling me to come and work with you. Mm. At uh at Hilton and Company, she actually said work for me, and I was like, nah, no, nobody works for me. You work with me, you know. It's, yeah, a, it's it. a circle yeah. table, and so and the reason why I say this because I value everybody that works with us, right? I, you know, my mom came and she's like, hey, why are you asking me my opinion all the time? And I'm like, because your opinion matters, right? And so, um, that's super important, right? Um, that I have my spouse that, that works with me. And that makes it a lot easier because she understands what I'm going through. She's checking my emails. She kind of knows exactly what's on my calendar and how busy a day might be. And she's able to really come in. So honestly, I'm not able to be all I am without her. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Um, I would tell anybody that is not a father now or that hopes to be, you know, or is a father now, the the second best decision that I made was marrying my wife. The first mm-hmm. decision was becoming was becoming a Christian. So, and, and re- regardless whether you're Christian, whether you're a Christian or not, having some type of value system is mm-hmm. important. And my wife, the second the second best decision I made was my wife. She is amazing. I could not be what I am as a dad if it wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say, yeah. yeah, I just want to say that you know. That's that's one of the keys that I find as a father, being a father, is my wife being a mom because she is she's amazing. Um, and we don't have gender roles. You know, hey, I wash dishes. I clean I fold up clothes. I clean the house. It doesn't matter. It's like we just jump in and do whatever we need to do. If we need to go show a house or go check on a project to drop material off, either one of us is available to do it. And that's that's really the brilliance that I think that a two parent household has brought uh, to the, to the table for me um, and seeing my mom struggle as a single mom, yeah. um, you know, that, it was hard. I, I remember being in the back of the class and my mom going through college, undergrad and grad, grad school. And, uh, you know, so coming into a parent, a two parent household, you know, we just, we're trying to run as hard as we can. And when you got two people giving a hundred percent, it's just amazing. Mm, love it. 
So I want to ask you a few questions based on, you know, the questionnaire that you answered um, in preparation for this podcast. Um, you know, one of the questions I'm going to ask you at the end is about legacy, but you made some comments in there that I want to dig into. And you talked about leaving values and beliefs uh, with your kids that kind of go beyond you. And you, and I bring it up because you just made this statement a moment ago as you said, Hey, my first decision was being a Christian. Second was my wife. But hey, if you're not a Christian, just have a value system to to basically live live life by, right? And so, um, I think we talk a lot about values, like live your business or your family by your core values. What are your core values? Um, but I really love this word beliefs, and it's been on my mind a lot. You know, like what do I believe about money? What do I believe about time? Um, and I can make a statement. This is what I believe about time. But if I looked at my calendar, does it reflect it, right? So are my actions actually following what I would say my beliefs are? So I want you to talk about this a little bit, the value, the importance of living your life by values and beliefs and having a foundation to to live your life. So I kind of just spitball a bunch of stuff just now. Where's your head going with that? So... um Let me try to understand a little bit more why. Yes, yeah, so let me ask you, this question. Okay. Okay. So, so let me ask the question a different way. Um, in looking at your, you know, the form that you filled out prior to the podcast, the last question is about legacy, which I don't want to ask yet. But in there, you said you wanted to pass on values and beliefs to your kids, like beyond you. And I think that's a huge statement to think like five, six, seven generations down the road, what will those great, 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 great grandkids believe and what will they value? So tell me a couple things that you would put in that bucket that if you were to be able to go into the future and see, you know, uh, future Hilton, you know, adults uh, 500 years from now, what are a couple values and beliefs that you would want to see? And then how does that impact how you're living your life today? So, you know, I, I saw this Instagram um, post one day and it, and it, a guy was saying, my grandfather walked 10 miles. My father walked five. I drive a Cadillac. My son drives a Mercedes. His son drives a Ferrari. And his son will be walking again. Hmm. And so when I, when, I, when I say I want to create this value system, right, um, I'm hoping that I can implant the, a set of values, right, Christianity, love for people. Um, I, I just hope that like my kids can actually see how I, how I walk in life and they will in turn have the same value system. So, you know, like my kids, I want to create a, an environment where they can explore and we can challenge their thoughts Um through, through the world. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to teach them Christian values, you know? So how um, do you do that intentionally? So let me ask that. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously most of us are impacted by our fathers and mothers, not by the things they said, but by the things they did. Right. Yeah. So I get that. Right. I mean, if I have a family meeting every Monday morning, that's going to be less impactful than, than the way that I show up in the world every day. But is there something that you would say either that you do intentionally with your kids now that you think builds towards that value and belief system, or is there something you personally do daily or weekly that would point them to see that in you? Yeah. So like 
my wife's family, they have a prayer call once a week. Hmm. So they see us, you know, they see the entire family come together on a conference call and wow and, That's and cool. pray. Okay. And so and, and they you know, we've been doing it for like years, hmm. um, probably for about two, three years. And it's on our calendar. You know, it, it it's happening. That's what we're doing. And at, at nine thirty, we're doing it at night. So um, nine thirty, what day of the week? It's on. Well, they were they were doing it two times a week on Wednesday and Thursday, and now they just kind of pushed it back to one one day a week. And who leads that? So my wife actually is is one of the leaders of the prayer call, and, and this is they just actually your family, right? Well, our, our her 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 side of the family, uh-huh. they all get together, they pray, and then since the kids, if, if she's leaving it, then I have to take the kids and we have to go into another room because they'll interrupt her. And so, but it's important that they know that we're talking to God mm. and that we have that connection, especially in the COVID environment, because I got a three-year-old, she was just born right before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't had the opportunity to be physically in church, mm-hmm. but now she, but she knows God because we we practice those values in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's the music that we listen to in our cars. It's the things that we talk about. It, she sees us doing that sort of thing. So that's one value. That's one value set that I hope that they get from us that, that they will, if they believe in, in if they're Christian and they believe in Christ, great. But if they decide they want to be a Muslim or anything else, we don't care. Just have a relationship with a higher being. Right. And we want to create the opportunity for them to actively explore their world to, to make those decisions, you know, for themselves. So it's not like for us, it's not like we're just putting them in a, in a room with kids that look like them or come from the same background. We want them to have a diverse uh, perspective. So, you know, our, our daughters, they know sign language. Mm. So it's like, it's that diversity piece is So why do they know too. sign language? They have, they, they teach them that in school. Um, mm. So, you know, if they're, they want them to be able to communicate with people. And that's one of the reasons why they, they teach them that. They teach them Spanish. It's a few other few other things they teach them in order just to show them that the world is not just about you and the way you operate. It's other people that operate and communicate totally different. And you need to learn how to operate and communicate with them. Hmm. So, so yeah, so I want to definitely make sure that we do that, uh, that they see that, that value set. Um, also want them to see us donate to legitimate organizations and people, you know, when they're, you know, running for political office and that sort of thing that have the same value set that we do. And so when they get toys for Christmas, we have a tub of toys that we donate and trying to tell them, hey, you can't break everything that you get because you're going to outgrow it. And we're going to need to give it to another little girl, little boy, so they can have something to play with. And during Christmas time, getting an a angel tree, we do that with them and go shopping. So, hey, it's another little girl that's four years old. What do you think she wants? Hmm. And them thinking outside of just themselves. I don't want to raise self-centered kids. I want to raise kids that really want to be involved in their community. And that's huge. And that's that's one of the things that I hope that they get from us. Yeah. And I mean, even... It- what you do for a living is create affordable housing, correct? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, your kids, uh, you started off by, by saying the things you do, you know, and, and I, and you just kept, kept rolling. Right. And it, it shows that 
it is just part of your ethos of your family, right? It's part of uh, what makes up the Hiltons. And, and uh, I just love hearing those things. And I hope that other dads are inspired to, to create those things in their household, because it's such a huge opportunity to not just focus on what I do outside of the mm-hmm. home, but is it a reflection of what we do inside of the home as well? Um, and just staying in line with that, you know, another thing you talked about is, you know, your daughters have dreams about what they want to be and that you want to create an environment um, for them to be able to seek out those dreams. What does that, what does that mean? Especially when you're looking at, okay, you have, you have little girls, right? And little kids have dreams. And sometimes you'll see parents say, oh yeah, you don't want to be a police officer because X, Y, Z. Ah, you don't want to be a, be a doctor because they work all the time, whatever, right? You see parents kind of squash it. So what's your belief or value or how do you approach uh, your kids' dreams and then coming alongside to support them? Yeah, so I mean, very similar to what my parents did for me. You know, when I used to tell my dad, I want to be a firefighter, a police officer, and you know, I want to be in the army and all this other stuff, right? He used to say, yeah, you can do it. You know, my mom used to say the same, hey, yeah, you can do it. And we'll be there to help. And so it's the same thing that I tell my kids, you know, when my daughter, you know, for for Christmas, she we got her a white coat and some scrubs. We got both of them, white coats and scrubs, and they had their names on them, Dr. Emery and Dr. Carter. That's right? cool. And we also got got them some police uniforms because they say that, hey, I want to be a doctor and a police officer. And that's OK. That's great. I want them to be both. Right. And I want to create an environment just like I was raised in where it's not a and it's not a either or environment, right? It's an and environment. So you can do this and this and that. You can't do either or. Uh, That was not the type of environment I was raised in where people told me I could do either or. They told me I could do and. So, and that's why, that's what's made me successful today. When you talk about uh, real estate and construction, it's an and there. I do real estate and construction. I know some people that only do real estate. And then I know some people that only do construction. But we do real estate and construction and we're good at it. Mm. We're really good at it. Mm. And that's the same environment that I want to raise my kids in where you can do and, you know, this and that. And you can be good at it. And I'm going to be there alongside of you to support you and root you along the way. Love it. And I love the Christmas gifts. I mean, the white coats and then the police outfits, I think such a such a great way to encourage your kids to to dream and explore um, so yeah, really, really fun. Um, okay. Kind of go, almost going back to this values and beliefs. Another thing you mentioned was, um, you, you'd kind of refer to leaving lessons and stories. Um, and I, it, I just thought it really stood out to me because I don't know that we necessarily think about passing stories down, right? We, we think about passing money or property or pass, you know, I don't know. I think we're so focused on our own lives that we don't really think about three generations from now. But you made a comment about leaving lessons and stories, kind of like you would go and read, you know, the New Testament. Um, talk to me about what that means and, and how would you go about doing that? What does it look like? Yeah, so I, I thought about that concept um, uh, probably about three or four years ago. I had a good friend of mine, he was in the Army uh, Reserve with me. We deployed to Afghanistan together in 16, met in uh, 10th grade of, of high school, like 1998. Wow. But um, he passed away. He was a great guy, um, mm-hmm. a guy randomly just um, didn't know him. But he's coming out of a, a Wawa and guy just shot him and killed him. And wow. 
but he was a he was a great guy. And so one of the things that when I spoke at his service, one of the things that God placed in me was that we're we're a part of that new New Testament, right? So it's no it's no longer the book of John, Matthew. Um, it, you know, it's it's not it's not the books of them that are just contained in, in the Bible, right? Hmm. It's the books of Laquan and Ned. It's it's those books that are important also. So just as those books have stories, we want to hand down stories to our kids. We want to talk about the things that we've been through and how we've overcome and how we handle situations. So they understand that when they get to those those crossroads in life and then they can actually come back to you because they know that you're experienced in doing that. And you can give them some direction on it. So that's that's what I really think about. We're part of that new New Testament. Right. And in that new New Testament, it's the things that we're doing in our lives that are helping shape other lives, you know, particularly, hopefully them and other future generations. Yeah. So they can really be there and understand uh, what to do, and what not to do in the course of life. Mm. Man, it really, if you pause and think about that, if there's a book written about you, um, you know, you die today, you die at a hundred years old and there's a book written about you passed down, there will be stories about you. It may not be in a book, but there will be, like you said, um, you, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, you said that, you know, when you die, you want to be missed, right? And that's because you provided value um, and, and were there for people. And so I think if we woke up every day going, today may be written down as a story that my kid remembers forever, um, that's going to shape their life. It might, it might uh, help us to think through the decisions and the actions that we're taking through the day, the direction that we're going. And I don't think enough men pause to think about where am I headed? You know, we're just like surviving. And it would be great if we moved away from this survival mode to get on track. Like, dude, we're all captains of our ship. Where's this ship headed with our family? Let's make some decisions about it. And if stories were written about that, would they be inspiring or would they not be? Right. Yeah. You know, I believe a, a bad example is a good example of not to be. So even, even yeah, if it's not, yeah. even if it's not the most positive thing, the most positive thing could come out of the most non-positive thing, if that makes sense. So really what we have to do is um, we, we have to share those stories. We have to, we have to make amends. We have to do what we can do to make life better, you know, mm. for, for other people that are around us. And so, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's what we do every day. You know, our, our value system, even as a family, you know, one of the things that I tell I tell people, especially like the media, when they want to do stories on us about affordable housing, I'm like, hey, look, I will live in any rental that I own. Put me in any mm. rental. I will live mm. in any rental. The same tile floor that we just put in our um, primary bathroom and laundry room and our, in our guest bathroom, um, they're the same. It's the same tile that we put in our rentals. Wow. So when our kids see that we're actually putting things into other people's houses that are on affordable housing, we're putting that stuff in their house and then we're putting it in our house. That's that. I think that's big. That's the best oh, that's story huge. you can tell. Yeah. That's yeah. Huge. So it's like, it's really yeah, trying to, things. trying to really show your family, like how you can actually um, live life in, in, and how you can give the things that you can give and the things that you can give should be the same things that you want to receive. Hmm. That's so good. Before I ask my last question, I want to ask you one question. You can dodge this if you want, we can cut it out, but you had said that you saw your dad die. Yeah. Do you want to take 
couple minutes and because you made a statement around that that I really would love to capture the meaning behind it. Yeah, so um I'll tell I'll tell the story. I, I knew my dad was sick. Um he had a stroke, so one day we were talking to him and he was, you know, everything was good, life was good. Um and honestly later that day or you know, a day or so later, he he had a stroke and he was sick for about seven months. You know, I was working in my, I was doing, I was in my PhD program, working in the business and working a full-time job. It was mm-hmm. crazy, but, you know, I drove, you know, every few days to shave him and check on him and make sure he was good. And he couldn't talk um, well, but you kind of knew what he needed when you were there. And so the the day that he was he the, the day that he was going to pass away my sister called me and she's like hey you know you're the, you're the baby and i think dad is kind of waiting on you to you know let him know that you're good and my dad had mm. told told us that uh you know since he had me you know later in life he said hey he hoped that that he would see me get grown that was his prayer and he said that you know god had answered his prayer so he she was like, hey, I think you need to come home and just kind of spend some time with dad. So I was like, OK. So I came home and I, I knew that it was time, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I went home and, uh, you know, held his hand and, you know, we were there for a few hours. And I told him how much I loved him and respected him. And, um, you know, he, he was a man of faith. And I'm, I'm glad that he shared his, his value system with me. He was a great guy. And um you know, I felt I felt the last pulse. You know, wow. I felt the last pulse in his body, and I turned to my sister and my stepmom and my wife, and I said, "Hey, you know, he's gone." And I said, "I said a prayer. I said, hey, God, I thank you for every moment, every second, every moment, every hour, every day that you gave me, you know, gave him to us. Um, I think he was an amazing person. I think that um, the older I get, the more I understand where he was and what he was doing." Yeah. And um, I hope that my family, my girls um, will feel the same way about me that I feel about him mm-hmm. and the same way that my wife, you know, feels about her dad. Her dad was an amazing guy and I admired him. You know, you raise three kids, you you're in the house every day. And, you know, I, I, I saw it. I saw him. I saw him when he passed away. You know, um, my father-in-law, we, we came in shortly afterwards and we saw him. He was he was just laying there and it was it was it was it, it was a it was hurtful. But at the same time, like it gave me life. Right. Because what I realized is that I want to die exhausted. Like I want to work mm. a full day's worth of work and I want to die exhausted. So, you know, what when people mean, are like, I want to die exhausted. What do you mean? <laughs> So like, you know, I'm on the planning commission for Chesterfield County. I sit on a bunch of boards. Um, you know, I get up like super early in the morning. We stay up late at night. I mean, sometimes we're up to like three, four o'clock in the morning working. Um, and, and just to make sure that people have a better place to live, you know, like a house key is a big thing. Right. And so I want to be exhausted when I die. Like, I really want to be exhausted. I want to feel like I got everything out of me. Like, yeah. when I get to the gate and God is like, you did it, like high five. You know, that's that's what I want to feel. I don't want to feel any regret. I don't want I don't want God to say, hey, I put more in you and you didn't you didn't get it out. So that's I, w- I want to die exhausted. I, I really want to die exhausted. I want to die like my dad and like my 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 father in law. I want to die exhausted. I want to get everything that God has given to me, I want to get it out. 
And so that's where I live every day. I want to be exhausted as a father, as a business owner, uh, you know, sitting on boards, whatever it is, helping people in the community. I want to die exhausted. I want I want to just pass out of just, you know, being exhausted. And, you know, you know how it feels, you know, how you've had one of those exhausting days and you just can't wait to hit the bed and go to sleep. That's the way I want to die. Like, I want to I want to be like that in life. Man, Laquan, that's uh I love what you said. I want to die exhausted. And then I, I, I want to get it all out of me. Um, I want to get everything out of me. So, so, ah, what a great way to live, which, which leads me, you know, we've talked about it a lot and you just really ended this well, but I will ask this question, um, as it really just relates to your daughters and, and if there's anything else you want to say about it, but you've really, I mean, this whole conversation have just painted such a beautiful picture of the life that you're leading and, and guiding your kids to be a part of. But when you think about legacy, when you think about 30 years from now, you know, you meeting your girl's husband or, you know, future husband and, and you're, or you're seeing them in their home married with kids. What are the things that you see in their home? And you know, that you were the, you know, that your actions today and tomorrow and the next day played into what, what that looks like. I think it's really the intangible, right? Just how you communicate and you operate as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way we communicate and operate as a family might not be the way that they communicate and operate as a family. But I want them to find whatever success looks like for them and I want them to do it. You know, and so that's what that's really what it would what it would mean for me is to to see them in a very in, intangible way, work together as a family unit to make their kids lives better. Mm. So that's what I hope to see mm. when I if I visit their home. Laquan, this conversation has been really rich. I love the man that you are. I love the story that you're writing. Um, I love all that you do uh, to give the most every single day to love your wife, love your girls, love anybody who comes across. And then many, many, many families who you may never meet, you know, providing homes for them to be able to do the same thing that you're doing in your home. Uh, Keep keep at it, my friend, keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving people the way that you do. And, uh, and I just look forward to seeing all that, uh, you accomplish and all the lives that you touch, um, while you get to be here walking on this earth, man. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Hey, one, one thing I did want to say, you know, um, it's been three, three definite people in my life that have just kind of helped shape me. And I want to just talk you know, real, real candidly about that um, for a moment. So one of the people that has really helped shape me is my uncle David, right? Mm. He lives in DC, lives about two hours away. But what I love about him is he had two kids and um, he was a great father. Um, He was a great uncle, but he used to travel to Martinsville, which is about a five hour drive. He works, uh, he's in the construction, he's retired now, but he's a drive five hours and do little handyman stuff for my grandmother at her house and also for my mom. And it was amazing. And just seeing him as a dad and as mm. a, just a man in general has really been touching for me. Um, he and also my, my uncle Ben who passed away a few years ago. So just seeing how they took care of the family, not only their family in their house, but the community that was big. Um, then one of my my mentors in the Army, um, General A.C. Roper, um, he's a three-star general. I was his aide-de-camp when he was a two-star, but he was great. He would be like, hey, you know, I can't do such and such because that's my daughter's birthday. Or, hey, we're moving my daughter into uh, her dorm room. Yeah. 
And he was like, hey, I can't I can't go anywhere on that day. And he was a two star general and he's now a three star. And he's he was also the police chief in Birmingham, Alabama at the same time. So, like, just seeing him, how he operated as a dad, just privately listen how he you know, talk to his kids and his wife. It was just amazing for me to see, um, see that. And I'm just so thankful that God aligned it, aligned us. And he's, he's also a minister. So it was really great to see how God just aligned us together. And for me to see his, his example, I'm thankful for that. And, um, also the guy who hired my mom to come to Richmond, um, my kids call him Pop, um, Rick Miller. He he's he's like my dad since I was like fifteen. Taught me how to shave. Um, <laughs> you know, great guy. I mean, I could cut my finger and he he would be here, and he probably lives about eight hours away in Tennessee. But he's he's been a great inspiration to me, and just to see him how he operates with his family and how they work together as a unit has been impactful for me. So I just want to highlight those folks, um, you know, who have really been a source of inspiration to me. And then one thing I think is important is I don't want to break that chain. So just as they were a link in the chain for me being a mm-hmm. father, I'm hoping that I can you know not only through this podcast, but just, you know, working with other fathers such as Rod, that we can not, you know, we can we can not just learn the lessons that we learned, but we can pass them on to other fathers and it will make them better. So that's what I want to say too. Thank you. Yeah, man. No, I think it's so important to honor those who played played a role in shaping the men we are. You know, this whole idea of being self-made or figuring it all, all on our own is just not the case, right? And, and there are men, women, people in our lives who've helped shape the people that you see today. And uh, I just love how you said, you know, you want to pass that on and be that guy to others um, on their own journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Love it, man. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with you again. Wow, what an incredible conversation. I so enjoyed sitting down with Laquan and talking fatherhood. I love when he said, I want to die exhausted. I think if you ask my wife, she would say that statement is probably true about me as well. I want to get the most and make the most of each and every day, especially as fathers. We know that our daily words and actions are building the legacy daily. It's building the legacy that you and I will leave behind. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh